November 1st, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Daf Kofiot Gimal Amud Aleph. If you count from the top, it's 18 lines down. We'll start again, just a few words onto line, four words onto line. The Gemara cites a Beraita, Tanura Banan, Beraita teaches, Hayuba Ilanot Telushin Asurin, Mehubarin Mutarin. Statement here in the Beraita is that we distinguish with regards to the growth that was in the city between that which was cut already and that which is still connected to the ground. If it's a tree that was cut, it's asur bahana'a, it needs to be uh, burnt as part of shalal ha'ir. If alternatively, if it's mehubar, it's still connected to the ground, and we had a derasha just in Amud ago where we understood that it's tikbot visarafta. You just gather and then you burn, there's no extra activities, no second stages with regards to gathering the, um, the property of the city. And as a result, if it's connected to the ground, if it hasn't been cut already, uh, you leave it and it's mutar bahana'a. What if, in contrast, says the Beraita, which will lead us into one of our final conversations in Masechet Sanhedrin, if it's shil'id aheret, what if the trees, or the tree, is from a different city? And we'll talk about what that different city is in a moment. Ben telushin ben mehubarin asur. Irrespective, we don't, uh, we don't distinguish between whether it's connected or not connected, whether it's still in the ground or already cut, it's Asur Bahana'a, says the Gemara. What's the different city? I mean, what other city could you be talking about with regards to saying that the tree is Asur Bahana'a, it's uh, prohibited to benefit from? Ma'ira Heret, what sort of other city are you referring to in this Beraita? Amar of Hasta Yeriho. Now, Hasta suggests or, or tells us that we're referring to. Yericho. What was Yericho at the time of Kibush Haaretz, the time that Yehoshua comes to uh, conquer Eretz Yisrael? So one of the first cities that they conquer is Yericho. There's lots of important stories attached to it and the miracles that God performed with regards to its conquering. But afterwards, there's a particular and specific harem. There's a specific rule that nobody's allowed to rebuild Yericho. But furthermore, Yehoshua makes a declaration, if a person goes ahead and does try to rebuild it, uh, their children will die. But again, the initial harem is that you're not allowed to benefit from anything in the city. It was treated almost like an Eid Hanidahat. Understand again, it's not from Am Yisrael. We're conquering it from the inhabitants of Eretz Canaan at the time. Nonetheless, the law was you're not allowed to benefit. There was an individual, Achan, who does take. We're not going to focus on him. He's wrong uh, in one sense. We're going to focus on another. But for our purposes over here, Yericho is more severe Furthermore, strict than an irhanidahat, whereas in an irhanidahat, the only things that were forbidden is if it's already caught. In other words, you don't need to do much effort in order to bring it into the center to burn it. When it came to yericho, in contrast, everything was forbidden. Tichtiv, as the pasuk says, v'hayeta ha'ir heremhi v'chol ladonai. Uh, so the Pasuk says that the city, and uh, interestingly, those words are left out of the, our Gemara, Vechola Sherba. Rashi says those are the key words over here. And everything that was in it, the extra words, and everything that's in it is Hedim, is off bounds. Uh, that's what teaches us, even if it's still rooted in the ground. Uh, but the Gemara continues, and it tells us about the Shivua of Yehoshua. The Pasuk says, Vayashba Yehoshua ba'etahin lemor. Again, we're moving now from Irhani Dahat conversation into 
Yericho conversation. We're moving from the Isur Bahana'a conversation to the Isur Biniyah, the Isur that Yehoshua declared that you're not allowed to rebuild the city. So anyway, what was that uh, statement of Yehoshua? Arur Ha'ish, cursed is the person, Lifnei Adonai, Asher Yakumu Banai Ta'ir Hazot et Yericho, the swear, the, the, the curse of Yahushua was if a person is to go ahead and rebuild the city, his firstborn down to his lastborn will die. His firstborn at the beginning stages of construction, rebuilding Yericho, and his youngest at the time that he puts up the final hinges of the doors. Says the Gemara Tanya, you should know that Lo Yericho al Shem it's not only if a person were to rebuild Yericho and give it a new name, nor even build another city and give it, an, uh, give it the name Yericho. In both of those circumstances, this swear, this curse of Yoshua was effective. So Yoshua was stating, any person who rebuilds this city, it's not about the name per se. If you re- rebuild where Yericho was, Cursed is to you, cursed will you be, your first and your last child will all die. Uh, Maybe you'll say, but I'll build another city and I'll give it a provocative name. I'll call it Yiriho, and everybody will smirk and maybe snicker as they pass by or enter into it. You see, we showed God we had a way of uh, dealing with Yoshua. We have a Yiriho which is standing. Even that as well would be problematic, and the Gemara will tell a story about that in just a moment. So which means to say, this swear of Yiriho after the destruction of Yericho was quite serious. The statement, the everlasting testament, was supposed to be, you see, this is what happened to Yericho. Here's the might, here's the strength of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Look at the ruins and be able to learn a lesson. Anybody who defies that is effectively going against Yahushua. Dichtiv, then the Pasuk says that later on there was a fellow in the days of Ahav. This is later on. Ahav is the king in the days of Eliyahu. We'll read about Eliyahu in just a moment or two. But in the days of Ahav, the Pasuk says, Beyamav, it means in the days of Ahav, Banahiel Betaeli. There was a fellow whose name was Hiel Betaeli. He probably was from Betel. Alternatively, Rashi suggests elsewhere that his name was such because uh, Allah is a curse. He's the one who inherited the curse of Yahushua. Anyway, what does he do? He built at Yericho, Ba'aviram Bechoro Yeseda, Ubiseruv Seiro, Hisiv Delateab, Kidvara Donaya Shediber, Biad Yahushua bin Nun. The Pasuk says, that as he began to build it, his oldest was killed, his oldest died, and as he finished the construction, his youngest died. So there it is, generations after Yehoshua, an individual comes about. Now importantly, the Gemara is suggesting, and the Gemara will elaborate upon this later on, just a moment or two, that Hiel didn't build in the same place as Yericho, but he constructed another city with the name Yericho, and he's still punished in the way that Yehoshua promised a person who builds Yehoshua would be. Rashi says, I don't know where we see Vela'it Parash Ha-Minalan. Rashi in Dibura Matchilat Yericho admits to us, he says, who told you that he's not building the actual Yericho? Was the Gemara's statement was a bold one. Not only did Yehoshua curse the person who rebuilds Yericho in its place and even gives it another name, all right, but if he gave a name to a city, Yericho, that in and of itself is problematic, even though it's not in the place of Yericho. The proof is, Hiel. Says Rashi, I didn't. I don't know where you see that. The Gemara will be clear about this in a few moments. The Gemara is clear about it now. 
But where in the Pesukim do you see that he's building another place named Yericho? I had, there was uh, some years ago in downtown Manhattan, they wanted to start a restaurant. They did start a restaurant. It was called uh, Jezebel. It was called Izevel. I thought it was very telling with regards to this. Gemara Izevel was the wife of Ahav. So it's in the same days as of Ahav and Yericho. And you're taking a name of a pretty wicked person and assuming I'll attach it to the restaurant to give it a provocative name. I think it didn't uh, didn't fare all that well. I hope that no, but what? Oh, is that so? Oh, okay, good to know. I know the hechshet. Were, were people involved in this? Was it a good place? I remember the OU. That's how I knew. I was studying with Rabbi Menachem Ganak from OU at the time. He told us the story about it. I don't know if it was bad intentions. I know they had a provide. I don't know that again. I don't know what if Hiel per se was going against God in doing this. But I think there's a provocative notion. I think you have everyone think about it. Oh, that's Yerich. Oh, that's Izevil. If you think like that, oh, there's something risque about that. It's not even going to be, but there's something. I think that's the problem in and of itself. But again, Rashi tells us, interestingly, we don't know exactly how the Hachamim knew this in terms of uh, even an implicit mention in the text. Tanya, Abiraita now teaches us, Ba'aviram bechoror rasha'a, and Rashi adds the word rasha, what the Gemara says over here is, listen, when it comes to his first son dying, we understand how Hiel didn't learn his lesson yet. He begins building, and the fact that his son, his first son passes away, doesn't necessarily mean it's a fulfillment of the swear of Yahushua. Yahushua had the curse. The fact that his first son gets sick initially doesn't, isn't a sign per se. In fact, after his son dies, and we make our way, and uh, continues building, that already we look at him and we say, Hiel, you should have known better. You should have realized, you should have taken that as, it's like Haram writes at the beginning of you have to be able to say during times of sorrow why is this happening to me so the fact that it happened initially okay he could have said I wasn't certain I didn't know I thought if it was a different place and I just gave it the name Yerichol that would be kosher the fact that your firstborn son dies after the beginning of construction should have been a message you're to a certain extent um, uh, responsible for the death of the later son but says the Gemara we just don't understand the wording why are you calling his first son Aviram and his last son, Sehuv, Rishaim. They were Rishaim. He's the wicked one, perhaps. Aviramu Sehuv, my Avud, says the Gemara. That statement in the Beraita we just read seems to describe Aviram and even Sehuv, according to Rashi's Girsa, as Rishaim. What they do? This is what we meant to say. Aviram that Rasha, the Rasha we're referring to is not so much the children, but it's Hiel. Hiel should have learned what took place with his first son. In his wickedness, he doesn't, and in turn leads to the death of his youngest. Says the Gemara, furthermore, but wait a second. Once you told me his firstborn son died, obviously his next son was his younger one. So why does the Pasuk almost unnecessarily mention that his firstborn died and then his younger one Sehuv died as well. Say, his firstborn died as he was Miyased, as he began the city. And then his son, Sehuv, died. Says the Gemara, The fact that you told me his firstborn was Aviram, 
I know the next one is younger than him, by definition. If that's the first, this next one is younger than him. Why does the Pasuk as it's describing the deaths of the sons of Hiel, that individual who builds the Yericho city, describe his next son as Se'iro? Melamed, it teaches us, says the Gemara, that not only did two sons of his die, but many sons of his, which means to say we were talking about his Bechor, his firstborn, and when we mention Se'iro as being Se'iro, we don't just mean younger than the firstborn, we mean youngest, which means to say there was more than one, more than two sons. So again, the Pasuk then is telling me, Aviram was Bechoro, then we leave out the detail, but we assume you'll fill it in, because his youngest died as he finished it, which means to say there were more in the interim, Melamed. The Pasuk seems to be clear to us, the Pasuk seems to be telling us, Understood. I guess, in other words, Jeffrey just says that, who said, uh, again, if that were the case, if that were the case, what's the significance that it's his youngest that dies as he's placing? The curse was supposed to be, let's read the words of the Pasuk. It's not clear, again, and in his younger one, all right, it's either way you read it. In other words, you're saying it's not mukhrach. He's saying the, the words are not necessarily mukhrach. It might just mean, in the curse, his oldest will die at the beginning and his youngest at the final establishment, whereas the hachamim read it as oldest and youngest is significant because the interim means the others die. Anyway, uh, uh, understood. me'aviram. <laughs> Ad Seruv, he was uh, he was burying as he's building uh, from his firstborn to his youngest. Says the Gemara now the Hachamim filling in the gaps on how things developed at that time. Ahav Shushvenehava. Ahav was the good friend of this Hiel, and that already describes you in the eyes of the Hachamim who Hiel was. Hiel is friends with the king, so he's got a certain uh, higher level uh, status, perhaps. But furthermore, he's got a, uh, a, a, stat, uh, uh, a mindset which is a little combative, like Ahav and Izevel. Ata'ihu ve'eliyahu lemish'al bishlama betamya. Uh, Eliyahu and Ahav came lishol b'shalom. It means to request the peace, peacefulness, which means to be menachem avel, to come as Hiel is uh, mourning the deaths of his sons, or at the very least of one of his sons. Yativika amar dilma ki milat milat Yehoshua hachelet lo yiricho Hashem iracheret velo iracheret Hashem yiricho. Uh, says, perhaps it's um, as follows. Perhaps, says Ahav, uh, the meaning of uh, Yehoshua was that um, not only if you establish the city in its place with a different name, but even if you establish another place with the name Yericho, that would be problematic. Amale Eliyahu says Eliyahu, indeed, that's, that's why the children died. In, yeah, that's what it meant. Uh, that's, that, that's the issue over here. Hael, did you not know that? I understand maybe you were mistaken. You should have realized at the very least after the death of your firstborn, it wasn't coincidental to imagine that it's coincidental to move your eyes off of reality, you should have learned your lesson. Amar le hashata lavatata de Moshe la kamekayema. 
uh, says uh, Ahav in this moment of uh, dispute or his opportunity now to stick it to Eliyahu. He says, wait a second, let me understand how this works. The swear, the curse of Moshe, in a certain respect, wasn't fulfilled. What's the square and curse of Moshe? Dichtiv v'sartem v'avadetem v'gomer uchtiv v'charav Adonai b'achem v'asaret ha'shamayim. And the Pasuk says, if you don't listen to the words of God, Moshe promises in Sefer Devarim, God will stop the heavens and there won't be water, there won't be rain. And that hasn't been fulfilled, says Ahav. And the Gemara is going to describe, Ve'ahu Gavra, he's talking in third person about himself. Okim avodat kochavim al kotelem v'telem. As the Gemara that Ahav in that moment expresses about himself, you should know about me, I established Avodah Zarah on every Telem Vetelem. Says Rashi, that's a reference to in the field. As you have each one of the patches, there's a higher level in each one of the fields. So it's an, it's an exaggerated expression. In every field, in between every bushel, every, every arugha, there was a higher elevated platform. There was an avodah zarah there and an avodah zarah there. And that's the way we are supposed to, in the eyes of the hachamim, envision the generation of Ahav. Ahav is expressing about himself. says, I'm in a generation where I've established avodah zarah throughout the land to the extent that it's everywhere. You walk into a field, every elevated platform has an avodah zarah on it. Do you think we don't have rain? Are you serious? The rain doesn't stop to the extent that we can't go and worship. There's so much rain coming down. It's so muddy and difficult to traverse the fields and to walk through the streets that we're not able to worship our avodah zarah. So let me understand this, says Eliyahu. The master, the teacher, Moshe promises that if you do avodah zarah, if you abandon the ways of God, you'll be punished and no rain. I'll look around. We've abandoned those ways and there's plenty of rain. Now the student Yehoshua, Levatata di Yehoshua, tell me de Mekayema. You're telling me the reason this happened to Hiel, as they're in the Bet Avil, the Hachamim are envisioning this, is because the student Yehoshua's promise, his swear, his curse is fulfilled? Ah, that's a little bit backward. If Moshe swear, if his curse is not fulfilled, how could it be that the reason you're understanding Chiel's death of his children is because of the swear and promise and curse of Yehoshua, his student, Miyad, immediately Eliyahu, understanding this as a situation of Hilul Hashem, understanding this as scoffing against God, uh, doubting his ways, Miyad, Vayom Eliyahu HaTishbi Mitoshaveh HaGilad Chay Adonai Elo Yisrael Imiyet Talmatar VeGomer Immediately says Eliyahu, by my word there'll be rain, and I declare there won't be rain. So Eliyahu standing up to a certain extent for the honor of God stops the rain. Now this is this pasuk that describes what happened. Ba'era now says the Gemara, Eliyahu means he requests mercy, he prays to God, and he's handed, Havule, they hand him, Aklida refers to, keys, Dimitra, of the rain. Eliyahu is handed the keys of the rain. Vekam ve'azal, and he gets up and he goes, Vahidvar Adonai elav lemor, lech mizel, fanita lecha, and Kadosh Baruch Hu at that time tells him, get up and run away 
because you have to flee and hide from Ahav. The fact that it was clear, Rashi says there's smichut pisukim over here, the fact that you go from one pasuk of Eliyahu's swear uh, to his uh, running away is teaching us that God's telling him because of that swear, because of Ahav's knowledge of it, you need to run away quickly and in turn uh, seek, uh, seek safety because you've stopped the rain and Ahav is going to be out to get you. There's problems here for the people. There's problems for the kings, king of the people. Okay, what happened, parenthetically, as he runs away? The Pesukim describe what happened. The Ha'orvim mevi'im lo lechem ubasab baboker. Interesting question. Says Nathan, Yehoshua may have, in this moment, actually fulfilled Moshe's promise, right? He stops the rain. That's, uh, excuse me, Eliyahu, thank you. Eliyahu stops it. But what about Moshe's swear, his promise, his curse in the first place? He had a swear and promise. If you do Avodah Zarah, so Eliyahu is kind of, quote, fixing God's ways. Really? Maharsha asks this question, and Maharsha suggests something along those lines. He says, the Pasuk says in, in Vehayayim Shamoa, which is where we have Ve'asaret HaShemayim, Va'avadetem Mehera, it's going to be quick, quick and swift. He says, if you recall, it was some time ago in Daflamit Het in Masechet Sanhedrin, we had Mehera being a reference to 852 years for one reason or another, which means to say even God's way of punishing swiftly in the words of Jesse, in the words of the Torah, there's still time that's given to people. So, doesn't mean immediately, you're not per se going to feel it in this moment. Now, Ahav is not understanding of that, and Eliyahu needs to change that reality and make it more immediate, but it was in the plans, it was kind of being seeded. Alternatively, some of the Fashim suggest that the difference between Yoshua and Moshe is Yoshua is on an individual basis. One person does wrong, so here's the curse to them. Moshe is uh, en masse. So to argue that in Ahav's generation there was Avodah Zarah everywhere, I'll accept. To argue that everybody was worshipping it, and uh, means that it's on a national scale, to what extent do we imagine catastrophe, disaster, and, and destruction? Maybe only if it's really en masse. Anyway, th- th- those are one of the two understandings. Neither one simple and easy. But says the Gemara, uh, w- what happened at this time period when Eliyahu goes to run away, again from Ahav, so again, imagine the scene. He, uh, uh, the way the Hachamim understand it, it's in the context of Hiel's children being killed. Uh, by God. Uh, Eliyahu has this encounter with Ahav. Either way, he slices it. The Pesukim described to us how Eliyahu stops the rain. The Hachamim envisioned it as a reaction to that. He stops the rain. Ahav wants his head, wants to kill him. Eliyahu needs to run away. God tells him to run away. At that time, how's he sustaining himself? What's he eating? The ravens are bringing him meat and bread in the morning and meat and bread in the evening. Where are they bringing it from? Mehecha, says the Gemara. Where'd that bread and flesh come from for Eliyahu to eat? Amarav Yehuda Marav, It was from none other than the slaughterhouse of Ahav. The ravens enter into the slaughterhouse of Ahav to grab some bread, pick up a little bit of meat, and they deliver it to Eliyahu morning and evening. The Gemara and Masechet Hulin at the beginning, on Dafheh, talks about this in the context of eating meat from a person who's a mumar, a person who's rebellious against God. This might be some sort of source. The Mefarshim, the later Mefarshim, as I recall, debate how Eliyahu was allowed to do this. After all, uh, this seems to be stealing. Uh, he might not be doing it, but he's receiving it from the ravens. Again, it's by the word of God. It's by the mandate of God, which is really what the Gemara 
Masechet Hulin says. The Gemara in that context says, uh, maybe you have a proof from here that you could eat from the, the meat of a mumar. Says the Gemara, Shanehacha, this is different, that this is by the word of God. The ravens are delivering it by the word of God. It's not Eliyahu kind of determining that on his own. Anyway, says the Gemara, Vahimi Ketsyamim Vayivash Hanachal Kilohaya Geshim Ba'aret. Says the Gemara, further it happened that Eliyahu had prayed and there was so severe that there wasn't rain that the river dries up. Says the Gemara, what happened was that HaKadosh Baruch Hu realizes Kivyachol, realizes that there's Sa'ara Be'alma, that this is causing all sorts of pain and sorrow and agony to the people. So as a result, God sends him out. God sends him to Sorfata. He makes his way there and there's an innkeeper, there's a woman who takes him in, takes him in and she takes care of him and Eliyahu was living comfortably in the home of this woman and her son dies. At that time, the Pasuk says, uh, um, Eliyahu turns to God and wants permission in some respect to revive that child. So again, the circumstances Kivyachol, that's the, uh, always the, the rabbi's vision of it. It's the text, it's the Pesukim's vision of it. Almost, and you have to say Kivyachol a lot of times, as if Eliyahu's running the show. Eliyahu stopped the rain, and God needs to convince Eliyahu to bring back the rain. That's uh, a Something like that. And again, that's, this is the way it's being governed. Uh, so here he is, uh, now he wants to Tehiyata Metim. Turns God to him, says the Gemara, Ba'era Hamele Mitan Le Aklida de Tehiyata Metim. Eliyahu at that time says, Hey God, can I have the key to uh, reviving the dead? Tehiyata Metim. You might understand already the appropriateness of almost ending our Masechet with a Perik, which talked about Tehiyata Metim, talked about Olam Haba. Now we have uh, almost, uh, almost the final story, which is with regards to Tehiyata Metim. He wants the key to Tehiyata Metim. Amre le, he got a message from the heavens. Shalosh maftehot lo nimsiru shiliach. There are three keys of the heaven that were never handed over to human beings, to messengers at the very least. Shel haya v'shel geshamim v'shel Tehiyata Metim. The first one is haya. Haya refers to a person who's giving birth. It either refers to the ease or difficulty of birth or alternatively to the ability to conceive. That's the first. Gishamim, of course, is rain. Uh, and third one is tahayatamitim, the ability to resuscitate or to revive a life. Uh, the, what's that? The Gemara, you took the words out of my, out of my mouth. The Gemara, Masechin Mu'id Katana Daf Kafhet says that there are three things. Bane, haye, and mezone. La bizchuta talya milta, ela bimazala. Says the Gemara, there are three things. Children, haya, in our Gemara. Haye, life, tahiyata metim. Mezone, sustenance, geshamim. Rain is certainly envisioned in the real sense and in the figurative sense as our sustenance are not given to us based on merit but rather based on mazal. This Gemara might be hand in hand with that. The vision being, the description uh, is for us. These are matters which are not really in our hands to manipulate or to really control. Uh, these are really in the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu uh, and I- entirely so. Um, no, it means in, in the respect of, of it, it, 
in this respect, in the Gemara, we are not the ultimate Tehiyat HaMetim. The Tehiyat HaMetim in this world, in this life, being able to, not, not the ultimate Tehiyat HaMetim. Uh, but that's the same. Why these three things as opposed to any other? I once gave a class on this some time ago, but the most basic explanation is these are the three paradigms of bringing forth something from nothing, bringing forth a life, almost out of, and literally out of nothing, bringing forth sustenance from rain, almost out of nothing, something you're not really, it's almost a bidia, yesh me'ayin, you took vapor and turned it into water. And uh, lastly, of course, in, in the literal sense, tehiyat ha-metim, giving life, it's a bidia yesh me'ayin. Okay, it says... I'm not doing that right here, but I, I, I did it once earlier in the Masechet. I did. I, I owe it to you. The reason I'm not doing it right here is because the Gemara doesn't mention it here. It's in Moed Katan, those words. Anyway, so, says the Gemara, also Jeffrey will kill me if we don't finish today. Says the Gemara, Yomeru shetayim biyad talmid ve'ahat biyad harav. They're going to say that two are in the hands of the student, meaning Eliyahu, and only one in the hands of the master, meaning God. Uh, so, in other words, we'll give you one, Eliyahu. We're giving the ability Ability, and this is Eliyahu's ability to manipulate one. You were dealing with rain until now. We're not giving you two to Hayat Amitim as well. Ayeteha veshakil hai. Give us uh, that one and take this one. Give us the rain. In other words, we're going to restore rain to the land. And we'll, and, and in turn, you can take this one to Hayat Amitim. Uh, as the Pasuk perhaps uh, refers to us, the Pasuk says, Lech hare. El, uh, excuse me, lech hera e el ahav ve'etena matar al peneha adama. So the pasuk describes how Eliyahu is commanded, go in front of Ahav and I will bring the rain to the land. Not you any longer. You've handed back that key. It's back in my hands. You said it's by your mouth. Not any longer. Go to Ahav and say, I'm giving the rain. Okay, says the Gemara, Darashahu gililaah. There was someone from the Galil who, uh, in front of Rav Hasta, suggested there's a mashal with regards to this story of Eliyahu. Le gavra de tarke le galye ve avde le maftehe. It's similar to a person who, uh, who locks his home and then loses the key. Eliyahu locks the home, turns off the ability for the rain to come down. And then he loses his way with regards to the key. The key is taken away from him. You need to call, I don't know, Shomrim or AAA in order to open the door. You need to turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Lehavdil, uh, to bring down the rain. You locked it, but then, you, not that you look silly per se, but you look helpless because you were in the first place only borrowing that key. You weren't actually in control so of it. Get the key of the yes, yes, in that story he does, yes. Yeah. Says the Gemara onward, Darash Rabbi Yosef Besipori, Rabbi Yosef in Sipori, name of place, he was Doresh, Abba Eliyahu. Interestingly, he refers to Eliyahu as Abba Eliyahu. It says Rashi, Havivi Ugdoli, my beloved one and my great one. There's something to be said about that description for another time. Anyway, he refers to Eliyahu as Abba Eliyahu Kapdan Hava. You should know he was a Kapdan. He was a person who was very stiff. He was rigid in his ways. This is Rabbi Yosef saying this about Eliyahu Navi. Havaragil lemete gabeh. You should know that Rabbi Yosef had often uh, Eliyahu would come and uh, visit him. Now, Rabbi Yosef is many generations after Eliyahu. Rabbi Yosef is from, and um, we'll be reading about him in the Gemara, it's from the time of the Mishnah. He would be visited by Eliyahu. After saying that, 
Eliyahu hid himself and for three days didn't appear in Rabbi Yosef's Midrash at his home. Kiata, when Eliyahu finally comes back, Amale, says Rabbi Yosef, Eliyahu, I guess Eliyahu Abai said to him, Amayla Atamor, what happened? Why didn't you come? Amale, Kaptan Karitli, you called me the rigid one. You called me the one who stuck in his ways. Amarle says Rabbi Yosef, didn't you just prove it? Had the command, the kakapid mor. He says, the fact that because I called you a kaptan, you wouldn't come back for three days proves that what I said was factual. After all, your issue is that I called you a kaptan. You're too rigid, too stuck in your ways. That's why you weren't here the last three days. Uh, that, I, uh, that, uh, that is exactly the point I was trying to make. I wasn't putting you down, I was talking about your nature. Is that not your nature? We do know Eliyahu as being a certain uh, zealot, uh, of course, in, in the mold of, of Pinehas, this kanaut. Kanaut comes hand in hand with a certain strict and severe kaptanut. Okay, lastly, our Mishnah, if you recall, was Doresh, this, this Pasuk. The Pasuk says, The Pasuk said that nothing from the harem of the city of Ir Hanidahat should be in your hands. And so forth. Pasuk says, if you make certain that you don't take anything from the city that's left over in the Ir Hanidahat, God's anger will leave and you'll have his mercy. Said the Mishnah, if you recall, anytime there are wicked people in this world, there's haron af. Again, the Pasuk says, if you take from the harem, you're acting as a wicked person. God says, I'm not restoring my relationship with you. However, if you don't touch and you act in the righteous and, and, and proper way, so that's God's presence. Man Rishaim, who do we refer to in the Mishnah when we say wicked people? Well, again, remember the context. The context is you took from the harem him when you weren't supposed to. Appropriately then, says Rav Yosef, Amar Rav Yosef, Ganve, it refers to people who are thieves, who are robbers, who take things that are not theirs. So the Pasuk says, make certain, don't take anything, it's not permitted for you, so that God's wrath will leave. In turn, the statement of the Mishnah is, any rasha makes it that God's wrath is there. What's a rasha? A rasha then is a person who's a ganav. Tanura banan, the beraita along these way, along teaches when there's a wicked person uh, existent and operative in this world not per se just with birth but with life and endeavors and wrong activities that brings forth it brings forth a wrath from God it brings forth a reality for you and me which is uncomfortable it's an existential threat to humanity as the pasuk implies to us in Mishle the Pasuk describes as the Rasha comes, there's Kalon. Kalon is a, is a reference to a certain respect of, uh, of fire, of anger, that's just with the presence of the Rasha. On the, on the flip side, Rasha avad min ha'olam, tova ba'ala olam. When the Rasha is lost, Goodness arrives when the when the bad um, presence is uh, is gone. We all feel breathing space. We're all able and capable. What's that? Yeah, uh, that's a diuk. That's a diuk of Maharsha in the Gemara. It's a diuk difference between the two. What's that? 
That's what the Gemara told us with regards to this. In these statements, in this Beraita, I think not. In this Beraita, we're talking about a general, a general activity. I do think Ganav describes an evil personality. A person who thinks I can just take another's, even though it's not mine, describes a certain personality with regards to a broader Rishut, as the Pasuk says, and as the Rishaim are lost, there's a rina, there's a certain joyous and jubilous uh, feeling amongst the people. Sadiq niftar min ha'ulam. When a righteous person, when a sadiq dies, so that brings forth a certain uh, evilness to the world. In other words, in their absence, without the ability for A, them being being the capability to request and turn to God on our behalf, but furthermore, their influence is lost that leaves a gaping hole, that reads Ra'a, Shene Emar, as the Pasuk uh, implies to us um, here in, uh, in Sefer Yeshayahu, Hasadik Avad, Ven Ish Sam Alev, Ve'anshe Chesed Ne'esafim, Be'en Mevin, Ki Mipene Hara'a, Ne'esaf Hasadik. There's a certain confusion after the death of the Sadiq, and the description of the Pasuk in Yeshayahu is, because of the evil that was coming, because of the bad which was there and, and imminent, well, that was the loss of the Sadiq, which ushered that in. This concludes the Gemara, Sadiq Bala Olam, we end on a good note, if the Sadiq does operate in this world, not just born, but rather lives the life of Sadiq, of Mishpat, of righteousness, of justice, Toba Ba'ala Olam, that in turn brings forth Toba, brings goodness to life, Shene Imar, as the Pasuk was the expression of the parents of Noah, the very end of Parashat Bereshit, with the birth of Noah, they name him Noah, saying, Shene Imar, Zeyenachamenu Mima'asenu, this individual, this Noah, will be the one who will bring that respite from that ra'ah, from that arur, from the cursed, terrible, evil nature of existence. That will be the capability of Noah. We go straight from that pasuk into the pasuk that tells us, Noah ish sadiq tamim haya bedorotav, the righteous person, the person who has positive influence, has a way of changing the existential reality. Hadran Allah kol Yisrael yesh lahem chilek v'sadiq ala masechet sanhedrin baruch Adonai le'olam. Amen, amen. Be'chanam kshem al-asak